Welcome to the Board Game Snobs Podcast. Critically harsh reviews with a touch of class. And go. Ooh, is this Weller? Yeah, how'd you know? I like Weller. Oh. Why are you doing with ex- <laughs> Why do you- Why'd you buy an expensive stuff? Weller's not expensive. What am I thinking that's expensive that starts with a W? Weller's not expensive, but everybody likes it. It's all right. I don't think it's great. W.L. Weller. I know. It what's the, like what's the thing that starts with a W that's- that's It's- Wolverines. Wolverines. No, Woodruffs. No, uh, Woodwards. Woodwards. Welcome to the Board Game Snobs. I'm the primary host, Gabby. With yes. me today is the co-host, Enrique. Oh, hello. And in the third chair... Myself. Jerry Baker. Yes, and we have a guest with us. We have Don. Don Gilstrap. Oh, Lord, I- is that your real name? Hello. Did I make you're, you're that? Gilstrap is correct, yeah. Okay. I just said that. Oh, and then, I thought you were talking about Don. No. I just said Gilstrap. <laughs> I, I, I wrote that down, and I couldn't remember if that was his real name. And you're thinking of Woodford. Woodford. Woodford Thank Reserve. You. Woodford Reserve. Yeah. Uh, is Don short for Donavio? Sure. Donaldo? Donald. Donald. Oh, so you're not boring a, old, Boring old Donald. You're just a Donald. Why do yeah. you choose to go by Don rather than Donald? Donald sounds much more. I think the duck kind of took care of that. All that. Stuff, well, Don, right? <laughs> I know like Don is easier, and Don sounds like you're fun. But, Don Johnson. But Donald sounds like you're the type of person that likes the party. Serious, Donald Glover. Yes. Yeah. There, there's prestige with that. Yeah. You know, it's funny. My family called me Donald my entire life. And then one of my first jobs was like a construction related jobs. And I was introducing myself to a guy next to an air compressor one day and I kept shouting my name at him. And he said, you know, he finally said, Don. And I said, yeah, sure. And I've gone by Don ever since. (laughs) That's all it took. When you said construction related jobs in this area, that means you're in the mafia. So when you said that, I thought Donald was in the mafia. Then he became the Don of the mafia. mafia. Okay. That's that's yeah. And mafia around here just means you're transporting meth. Basically, the yeah. meth mafia. This was digging ditches in California. I don't think there was any mafia involved. Well, unless you're putting bodies in them ditches. It's always possible. Oh, and Don is, ooh, man. Weller's, Weller's got a tang to it. Jerry, it's 11 in the morning. What are you doing drinking already? Uh, Don, are you a whiskey drinker? You have to be. I'm a bourbon drinker. Okay, what type of bourbon? I... What does that Shoot, mean? My mind just went blank. I thought bourbon was the type. Mm-mm. Bullet. Bullet. Ah, uh, yes. Oh. I love Bullet. Bullet's great. Bullet is great. The movie is good, too. Bullet the Blue Sky, <laughs> as you two once said. That scene where he's driving. That's that car. Steve McQueen? Steve McQueen. Bullet. I know him from Cars. <sighs> You've seen that. That's don't a like good that. show. You have children. That's a you good have show. children, don't you, Don? Three. Three. Ah, Three. Procreation. <laughs> they are 21, 18, and 14. Yep. Wow. Ah. How old are you? 47. 
Wow. Not bad. Not bad. How does that make you feel, Gabby, to know that Don has accomplished so much in his life? Designed a board game, <laughs> raised a family. Three kids. Got Don't a board game coming up. Gabby's face, man. And, this and is it's mean. like, here you are. What am I doing? Shirtless. <laughs> Nearly. I got a stain on my shirt. Noon, drinking Weller, interviewing somebody else who's better than you. I, wow. I, I went to Chick-fil-A this morning and ordered in my t-shirt and pajama <laughs> shorts. <laughs> And I felt I'm that guy, and I got a coffee stain you've in the got, middle of it. You've got you've got on one of those shirts though that's like it's got the, holes everywhere. Is the 16 year old girl sees me rolling down my window? <laughs> she ended up getting barbecue sauce on your already, nipples. She's already hey, a, she's already afraid. You, you left the house today. That's an accomplishment. <laughs> yes, this day and age, I, and I don't have to work today, <laughs> so I'm dressed. That's a plus. Well, the reason that Don <laughs> the reason Don's on the show is to plug. His Kickstarter, but also for us because Don is a fan, right? He's a fan. He listens to the show occasionally, and that's good oh. enough for us. And we've yeah. start we've started this weird thing where we're just having people on our show. Do you listen? You want to come on? Yes, that's basically <laughs> that's basically it. It's like who are you? And we've set the bar very low. Would you like this? So far, this hasn't bit. Well, it hasn't come back to bite us yet. I really thought that Michael Langford guy was probably going to be like some sort of domestic terrorist type and. You know, you start start spouting stuff off. So so far, it's not come back to get us yet. I, I like that y'all are starting the Vegemite Marmite Wars on, at the end of the podcast. There, yeah. Uh, are you pro you Vegemite new- or Marmite? Neither. Not that not that I've tried either, but I, I'm I'm a Chipotle mayonnaise guy. Here we're termite. Chipotle mayonnaise. It's fantastic. It'll change. Oh yeah. Life. Oh yeah. I like Chipotle. It's the orange stuff, right? Yeah. It's got a. Uh, Oh, it's got uh, it's got the spice like sriracha or something in it. Sriracha, don't it? That's Enrique's nickname. I think Chipotle is the actual. I have too pepper. many nicknames. Stop oh, too many okay. Nicknames. Yeah, I like. We used to we used to make it from scratch. How do you oh, do that? My wife does that. How do you do that? Uh, you you take some very very fresh eggs. Okay, we have chickens in that. our backyard. Um, and so you, you put them in the food processor. Chickens. Yes, four. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's best if you have fresh eggs like that, um, and you you put it in the food processor, and you very slowly pour oil into it. Uh, what is that called? Emulsification. Mm-hmm. Emulsification. And that's how you make mayonnaise. And somewhere near the end there, you add some chipotle pepper. I think it was a liquid. Um, but my wife had it down to a science. We haven't done it in a couple of years, but um, chipotle mayonnaise from scratch is amazing. In terms of condiments. I don't use a lot of ketchup, but when I do, I put copious amounts of pepper in it and mix it up. I like spicy ketchup. Like mm. black pepper? Black pepper. Black pepper. Black pepper. You ever it, mix it with mustard? I do not, because that's oh, weird. There's tiny. no need. That's not what you want. No, but, no I, I think people who mix mustard and ketchup together, those types of people are what's ruining the world. I'm all about... Put them together. No. I don't segregate things. No. You should have... There's distinct tastes... And they should either complement each other. Ketchup is just sweet. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. <sighs> you know, I'm not even going to have this argument with you because Enrique, Enrique, your what? favorite condiment? Be ketchup. Ketchup. That's yeah. very dull. You mix anything with it? No, no. Have you tried mustard? No, I've not. Gravy? You should try it. Have you tried gravy? Gravy's well, technically a condiment. Now, now, before we move on with this. Oh, uh, like, wh- I didn't know wh- what he was fixing like, wh- to. Why are you just segregating <laughs> just- mustard and... In- yeah. And ketchup. What's the in deal? In the first place. Because why do you mix them? 
Have you tried it? I have. It's nasty. You have not. I have to. You have not. I don't mind mustard with a light bit of mayonnaise. That's fine because that's actually is utilized in various um, like cabanos and things of that nature. Mustard and mayonnaise is fine. You add a little fat to the Cubanos, they come from Cuba? Yes, they do. That's where that term comes from. What is a cabana? It's a sandwich. It's an amazing hot press sandwich that you get in the Miami area where they I take. I thought that's the thing people got married in. It's like a little small house with a little <laughs> roof over it. That's a gazebo. Gazebo. That's a, it's a cabana. The cabana. A cabana. Oh, that's yeah. That's what you're thinking of. The, yes, ca- the cabana. cabana boys are the guys that are shirtless that bring you cabanos. What about sleeveless? But no, no. Enrique's not a cabana boy. He's <laughs> have, a- have you not? Have you seen the movie Chef? Shit. No, I have uh, not. With, uh, with oh, Lord Almighty, that is poo- food porn. And yes, they make is. a cabano in that. And it will make yeah. you want to eat a cabano. And then you'll try to make them yourself. And they're not the same. It takes 24 hours to actually make one. You have Did to- you know that you can figure out the color of a chicken egg by looking at the chicken's earlobes? Did you know that Don Gilstrap, king of the chickens? <laughs> That's new for me. I didn't know that one. Did you know chickens had earlobes? <laughs> no. I, I never looked that closely, why actually. Are you, why are you looking up chicken facts? We're, we're talking to the chicken man. He's not the chicken man. Oh. He just has, he owns chickens. What type of chickens do you own? But it's FYI, your board game is about chickens, right? That's right. It's a deck builder regarding chickens. We'll get to that here in a and second. And we'll get to that in a second. But I need to know what type of chickens do you own? Oh, let's see. Um, can you own a chicken? Or so. Yeah, you, yeah, you can own we, a chicken. We house, we house four chickens. You house they own themselves. Is that what you're going at? They're Go independent they're chickens. free range, bro. Yeah. So, so we have a, a, a cuckoo moran, uh, an Americana, not Americana, an Easter egger, um, a Rhode Island red, and there's one that I'm forgetting. A hen. So you just have a variety. Are these pets? Yeah. yeah. They're basically pets. We, we've we had them six years. Um, I took all three kids to the feed store, and each of us picked out a chicken. So we have four chickens. Each of us named them. And we each picked out a different breed. And, and we looked at the chart. You know, they put have this big chart on the wall above the, the big bin of, you know, chicks going crazy. And... Uh, we looked at all the different breeds, and we picked breeds based on having four different colors of eggs. Now, Rhode Island Reds are the big chickens because I've had those in the past. The roosters get really, really tall. Mm. So, what did and the? You, but you would have known the color of the eggs if you had checked their earlobes. You're not really worried about the color of the sure eggs. Of that. What what <laughs> the, what are the chickens' names? They are named um, Athena, uh, Duck, Pumpernickel, and Michonne. Okay, so we've got Michelle's like a walking, walking dead, dead, right? dead. Yes, we were very into Walking Dead at the time. <laughs> we've got Duck, which is also a Walking Dead reference if you're deep, and also uh, a pun. That's good. Uh, I thought that was after Donald. And uh, Pumpernickel. Pumpernickel. That's a spice, ain't it? Isn't it? What's Pumpernickel? That sounds like a spice. Pumpernickel's bread. It's a bread. Oh. That's right. So you're naming a chicken after. Nothing to do with spices. It depends. Or pumpers. Or currency. So, yeah, I, I don't know why my, my eldest picked that name and I think was just being silly. And then the duck was my youngest, who at the time was confused. eight years old. <laughs> confused, yeah. 
so he was eight. And then uh, my uh, Adrian, my co-designer on the, the game, uh, who is now 18, was 12 at the time and very into Greek mythology. So, so he, he named the, the very white Athena. chicken Athena. When you picked these chickens out, did you have great expectations from them? <laughs> yeah. We're not we're not doing chicken puns. You know entire. he is. It's, Why not? It's like his Because you're not a comedy hen. Stop. <laughs> you <laughs> no yoke about it. <laughs> no. ah, oh, got a dozen of them. <laughs> all right. All right. So get to So the- what are the like to raise chickens, what are the ergonomics behind that? <laughs> <laughs> Enrique laughs. Enrique, Enrique is I'm not a, a simple good, man. I'm a simple person. Enrique's not a good barometer for the humor. All right, he's just, I'm he'll, too simple. He'll chuckle at anything. Just, just, just let's stick, just stick to what we're what we're good at here, which is if one of your chickens dies and comes back as a ghost, is it a poultry geist? <laughs> That's not bad. It's oh, not it's, bad. It's always, you know, it's good when somebody says, not bad. That's not bad. <laughs> Do another one. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's what you're going to get from here on out. That's My what... sense of humor is impeccable. That's funny. Oh, there you go. Oh, please. That so was, what? Was pretty good. Did you? So your game. Not bad. Went from not bad to pretty good. Backyard chicken. <laughs> well, what's your name of your game? It's Backyard Chickens, isn't okay, it? Okay, so Don Gilstrap is here to talk about Backyard Chicken. Famed designer oh. of chicken-based games. I came for the banter, but we can talk about the game. <laughs> I would like to know about the chicken, though. That like, Did you decide that this is going to be the theme of the game? And then you made the mechanics around that, or did you just wake up one day and you had this game and you forced the theme upon it? I started with the title, as all great designers do. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, He's like, where are my chickens? They're in the backyard. <laughs> Done! We, we really did start with the title. Uh, backyard chickens is a, it's kind of a term, you know, like people who keep chickens at their homes, you know, they have backyard chickens and... Um, uh, Adrian and I had been, you know, we like going to, to conventions and going to the prototype rooms and hanging out with designers and play testing. And so we had been playing around with designing games and I designed a couple of horrible ones that were movie themed. Um, all your first games are horrible. And, uh, we were in the kitchen one day and, and one of our chickens like walked up to the back window and I just said, we should make a game called backyard chickens. So yeah, definitely started with the theme. And we love deck builders, so we kind of went straight there and said, let's see if this works. You should have went with ducks and called it a duck builder. That's the expansion. Uh, that's the expansion. That's the there expansion. Uh, yeah, so, so that's where it started. <laughs> You're giving him all types oh. of ideas. These are all free, down. Don. <laughs> write these down. down. <laughs> write this mess down. I'm thinking around the clock on these. <laughs> I actually have another game design that is called Expansion, and I started with the title on that one. It's not good. <laughs> hoping someday it will be, but th- that's another one where I'm like, there needs to be a game that's just called Expansion, just to you know tick off Tom Vassell. The meta of it. He would roll his eyes so hard have um, you ever, at that. But have you ever but, called your chickens yard birds? No. That's a phrase that's around a here. That's a southern thing, though. Got there. It's a hardware store, isn't it? Yard birds. Yeah, yard birds. We got yard birds. Yeah, we don't we don't have chickens. 
So when you designed the game, you knew he was going to be a deck builder. What exactly are you doing in Backyard Chickens? Are you out there harassing chickens? Collecting chickens? Uh, you are you are collecting chickens. You're um, you're feeding and watering them every round. Your your goal is to to keep your chickens fed and watered. Um, one of the big things when you learn about raising chickens is they they constantly need fresh water. Um, so so that's kind of the the rhythm of the game. Is every round you're feeding the chickens. You're buying you know better cards from the market that are worth more food or give you you know special tricks you can do. And you can buy more chickens and, and the chickens that you start with, you know, just basically need a little bit of food and some water. Um, you can buy higher value chickens, but they're going to want more food. So then you need a stronger hand to come up to be able to keep them fed. Um, kind of the unique little twist to this game that, that Adrian came up with early on was that, you know, if you don't feed a chicken, the card rotates and their sad face comes up. So you've got a sad chicken who hasn't been fed. If you don't feed them two rounds in a row, they run away. Um, so that's kind of the, the, the pressure of the game. You want to keep them content by keeping them fed and you don't ever want to go two rounds in a row without feeding them. You can also get treats in the game. And if you give them their treat and, and feed them, they become happier. They lay more eggs and they're worth more points. And it's a basic race to 10 points. It's designed as, you know, kind of an accessible deck builder, you know, family friendly, but still interesting. So you took what people love most about Agricola and Stone Age and made that your game. Feed your people. <laughs> feed your poultry. <laughs> feed the poultry. <laughs> the whole game is feed your people. There you go. Um, is it worker placement? Deck building? What would you no. classify it as first and foremost? Deck builder? It's Yeah, it is just uh, it's a pure deck builder. Straight up deck builder. Okay. Yep. And so, and, like, if you're gathering your hand... Is like, uh, is it money that you use to purchase the other chickens, or is it like eggs, uh, or what do you do? Eggs are the currency in the game. Eggs are the currency. Yeah. So the start of every round, your chickens um, provide you with eggs. You take those eggs and you use those to buy the better cards. And if you can make your chickens happier or buy the higher, higher value chickens, you get more eggs uh, every round. And then you use those eggs to make your hand better and better, and of course to trash cards as you do in deck builders. And um, you're just trying to kind of streamline your deck to, to get to that best supply and get, you know, more and more chickens in your flock and be able to feed them every round until you can get to that point target. What's the point target? Uh, it's 10 points. Mm-hmm. Mm, you're not paying attention. You already said that. Oh. And so the, the chickens tend to you be the worth memory of a chicken. Uh, one to four points, I want to say, or they, they might get up to five if you've got a happy chicken that, that requires a lot of food. And if it's not um, happy, is it in a foul mood? Yes, exactly. That seems pretty basic. I used right to there. say that they were, I really wanted to say they were brooding when you made them unhappy and just could not get that to work into the teach of the game. It just confused people. And so we just went with happy and sad. But I tried for the longest time to make brooding work. But, you know, what, what you really don't want in a game, especially a simple game, is a lot of niche language and you know, I, I saw it confuse people too many times. Yeah, no, and, people and don't so really understand the nomenclature behind chickens. Right. So, yeah. You don't want things of that nature to confuse people. I don't understand more. nomenclature. Well, see, that's exactly right. <laughs> that's just why you don't want to make a game about poultry more complicated than what it has to be. So, are you right. doing this through Kickstarter? It's coming out in August, correct? 
Yeah, it's going to be on Kickstarter August 24th. It's being published by August Games, which is a small publisher, independent publisher here in California. Uh, the Dan George is the, the primary owner of that company, and he's a designer. I love his games. He designed... Uh, they're not super well-known. They really ought to be. A game called Dragon Brew that's about fantasy races competing in a beer competitions. Um, that's a great game. Uh, what is the other one? Treasure Mountain is Gnomes uh, Mining for Gems. And he just had a Kickstarter a few months ago for a game called Rise of the Gnomes. That's a great area control game. I love that game. Rise of the Planet of the Gnomes. <laughs> Their leader is Gnome Chomsky. Right. So, nomenclature. Uh, What's the nomenclature of that guy? Who's the artist? The Norman Norman Rockwell. Norman Rockwell. Norman Rockwell. <laughs> this is this is who yeah. did who did the art for your game? Somebody you know or a chicken artist? Uh, <laughs> his name is Mac Hillier. Uh, he's up in Canada. He's actually done all the art for for August Games. Games. Um, so he, he's done lots of fantasy art for them and these other games, and um, he just drew the most amazing chickens. <laughs> done by Poultry Old Tool. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Drawing uh, chickens my, is an art in itself. Yeah. So his, his art is great for this game. I really love it. Um, one of my favorite pieces is uh, there, there's an event deck in this, in this game. Um, you know, flip over the event deck, it affects everybody that round. And um, one of them is Cold Winter, or Hard Winter, I think. And he drew this sad chicken sitting in a snow bank with snow on top of, of her, just looking really depressed. And it makes me sad every time I look at it, but I love it. A depressed chicken. Yes. I'll have to post that to the Facebook group. We need to, yes, because everybody, I'm, I am, chickens look, de- well, they don't look depressed. They just have this, like, neutral face of judgment. They're very spastic. They move, you know, they jerk around a lot. They're always observant. Yeah. yeah. Like, they're fun to doing? watch. Yeah, they're very suspicious. Like, chickens aren't, they don't want to be your friend. They want no. to know about you. Just to keep themselves safe. Yeah, but no chicken truly trusts you. Yes. They they think at any moment you could eat them. Yes. They walk around on eggshell, sounds like. It sounds like it. <laughs> yeah. We're not gonna laugh at that one. No, that was that, underhanded. Don that, did. That's a good one. Don is that's a that's un, that's Don's uncomfortable laugh. I'm on a podcast. It's <laughs> oh, 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 oh. good bad. That's the yeah, that's the I'm trying to be nice. Don is laughing at all your stupid jokes. Is that why you want to bring people on this show? Is this a competitive game or <laughs> Yes, it's a dick bill. I would coo op, coo op. Cooperative. Cooperative. I've I've exhausted my (laughs) puns. That was that one was too easy. Uh, Okay, Uh, how do you determine age range when you put age uh, able to play on a game? You find small children and let them play it, and then the one that can halfway play it, you're like, "How old are you?" (laughs) Yeah, that's that's an interesting question. Um, What I've learned that it mostly has to do with how much safety testing you care to do for the game. If you want to say that a game is six and up, you have to make sure that it's not a choking hazard. Um, I, I think this one says eight and up, and I know a lot of games will say 12 and up or 14 and up, but I, I think it has less to do with 
how capable you think the kids are of playing the game and more to do Stop with... eating the chickens. Yes. Exactly. So basically... More to do with safety standards. Basically what you're saying is that an eight-year-old could not fit these cards down his throat when you're saying... <laughs> or knows better. Knows better. They will not yeah. mistake this chicken as a tender and try to eat it. I don't like how you're looking at me when I'm you're I'm looking at that. you. So, Don, I don't know if you know this about Enrique. I don't think anybody knows this about Enrique. But I have shamed Enrique for years, and I have to stop because I did not realize until much later on that he has an actual, uh, is it a sensory issue? Mm-hmm. An oral aversion? He cannot eat food. There's only certain foods he can eat. And the only three things he can eat is cheese, chicken nuggets and fingernails and apparently fingernails because that's what he's dining on as we speak (laughs) and yeah he eats chicken nuggets or chicken strips constantly that's like the only thing that will not you know gag him and i did not realize that this was a thing until one day when he was about 16 years old i I think it was when me and you started to like go around town yeah we were were going over the gobbies where we all going around town we're going around town going around doing the clubs (laughs) you telling me yeah i was like oh hey let's go and i suggested that we go to this place too yes you go to the clubs at night and the bouncer's like, don't let these attractive women in. What about this sleeveless Hispanic boy and his autistic friend? Let them in. I bet they're fun. It's like, look, he already has a mustache. This one. Yeah. So they come inside this this burger joint. I take him into this burger joint, not realizing that Enrique, you're like 16, 17 years old at the time, had never eaten a cheeseburger. Yeah, 16 at least. Hmm. And I shamed him into buying a cheeseburger, and- not realizing that there was an issue with this, and he and ate he, said cheeseburger. And he had to call someone to verify this as well. Long story short, he puked everywhere. <laughs> I did not know that That's was a thing. what happened. And so, so I was they, able to eat like half of it, maybe. Yeah, and maybe then he a puked, quarter. and then that was it. And so now we understand that Enrique can only dine, the only meat he can consume is that of chicken, really. Some bacon, but chicken mainly. So Enrique is fascinated by chickens. We don't have chickens around him because obviously he's very predatory and chickens know this. They see Enrique as... It's just like a danger. Like, he's just looking at him like a nugget. Like the harbinger <laughs> of their doom. He is their Lucifer. The Enrique, chicken how do, you, how do you do with veggie chicken nuggets? I'm not sure, to be honest. He's never, never tried ate. It. He's never ate a vegetable. Okay. Name one vegetable you've eaten. See, this is the thing. People don't understand. Carrots. When Jerry says all he's eaten is cheese and nuggets, that's literally all he's ever eaten. Yes. You ate a carrot once. You said. Yeah, I think it was like once. How? Can I, you, I don't know. Can you name off the top of your head the foods you've eaten in your lifetime? Uh, let's see. Grilled cheeses. Grilled cheese. Uh, ha- just plain hamburgers. Just meat and bread? Yeah, meat and bread, basically. No veggies. No veggies. Uh, what about condiments? Condiments? Ketchup? Yeah, I've had ketchup. Mayo? Bother- uh, no mayo that I have knowledge no of. No mayo that you have recollection of? No. Mustard? Uh, No. No mustard you ever... So just ketchup of your entire life? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So we've got grilled cheese and hamburgers with ketchup. Mm. Uh, Literally. Grilled cheese with ketchup. I have seen it. Not grilled. What? Hamburgers. Hamburgers. Hamburgers and pizzas. Nuggets. But that's just essentially bread and cheese. Okay, so basically. we're back to bread and cheese. And it's it's literally just a, 
anything I eat. Anything with cheese and or bread. Anything that I basically eat is either chicken or cheese cheese and bread combo. Cheese based. Thank God you're not lactose intolerant or else you'd be dead. We're all lactose intolerant. Except for a few people that are like Norwegian. There's very few people who don't are not lactose intolerant. I am. No, for the most part, like we all are lactose intolerant. It's just how it is. It's just how it goes. So, Don, do you have any questions for us? Are you lactose intolerant? Are you lactose intolerant? I, I am not lactose intolerant. Although uh, my, my oldest is. And um, so we have oat milk in the fridge regularly now. And I've gotten to where I like that more than... Than regular milk. Though. Just just started drinking it myself, trying mm-hmm. to cut down its lower calories than the half and half for my tea. <laughs> and I have been utilizing oat milk. Mm-hmm. I like it better than the nut juice, aka almond milk. And yeah, I'm pro oat milk. Yeah, we we were doing almond milk, and and then we took her to the uh, the doctor just for you know like the allergy screening thing, and found out that like nuts were one of the things that she was mildly allergic to and so we switched to oat milk and i I think it's better goat's milk is where it's at as a purveyor of goats Mm. goat's milk you should make a game called backyard goats backyard goats i'm just gonna i'm just gonna re-theme theme backyard chickens with 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 goats you have my permission oh trademark (laughs) coming trademark coming i'll have you down as a play tester Tell me exactly and name the goats. Go. Yeah, everything. Be- how many times did you how, do you keep track of how many times you play tested your game? No, I wish I had counted because we've been play testing it on and off for three years. Mm. Um, we we started this. Um, we we actually first kind of started on the game in late 2018. I think we did our first public play test in the beginning of 2019. And like right in there, Wingspan was announced. Like January 2019 was when Wingspan was announced. Our first play test was in February. And I was like, it's going to look like we're copying this game. And Wingspan wasn't big yet, but it was Stonemire, which means you knew it was going to be big. And um, anyway, they're, they're nothing alike, of course, the two games. But um, yeah, so no, we haven't. Um, I, I don't have a count. It's. Um, I don't know, probably more than a hundred play tests. You know, we took it to every convention, play tested it all weekend long. Um, we've only really gone to California or Bay area conventions in California. So I haven't been to Gen Con and, and all that. Um, but we really love just, you know, we go to these four day weekend conventions and spend most of our time in the protospiel room, hanging out with designers and play testing their games and getting them to play test our games. And designers are just the most brutal play testers. <laughs> who is, who is your favorite designer and who, which designers have you had interaction with? Oh, that's a tough one. I really like Johnny pack. Um, he's also a friend. He's, he's one of the folks that play tested backyard chickens. I don't think he liked it, but it's not really his kind of game. <laughs> Johnny who? Johnny the, pack. Um, Fistful of meeples. Oh, oh Coloma. Oh. Yeah. Okay. He okay. does the Western games. He does the Western yeah. games. Um, I really like Luke Laurie's games. Uh, he designed, uh, uh, along with Tom Jolly, Manhattan Project Energy Empire. Mm. Uh, he designed Dwellings of Eldervale, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite games. Um, we play tested that in when it was still in prototype form back in 2018. You know, it was roughly printed stuff with big D and D miniatures. The final game is so gorgeous. Um, uh, their their other new game, Cryo, uh, that Luke and and Tom did together, mm-hmm. is, is fun. 
I've been wanting to play Cryo. I, I really like Dan George's games, of course. But he's also my publisher, so I have to say that. Was there something uh, in your game that someone booted out that you really didn't want to boot out? Like, was how many tweaks do you think was made or like a big tweak to the game that you didn't see coming or something? It was really bad for a long time. Uh, <laughs> so there have been a million little tweaks. You know, every game starts out bad or you're, or you're not doing it right. You know, you, you want to get it on the table as soon as possible is what I've learned. And, and so it's all been trial and error with this game. Uh, the biggest breakthrough we had um, was making most of the game simultaneous. Um, you know, the collecting your eggs, the feeding your chickens, you know, all the kind of maintenance stuff, we were kind of doing that in turn order, you know, just like having everybody do everything in turn order and the game would just drag. And um, one of our good friends, Mark Shiner, who's another designer um, that's always at the protospiels, just said, hey, why don't you make this, this and this simultaneous? And, you know, that just really streamlined the game and sped it up. And now every game is on a roughly 30 to 45 minutes, which is kind of what we were targeting. So that's the biggest breakthrough. Um, there are a lot of suggestions we didn't take along the way. Everybody wanted to make this game into viticulture. Mm. You know, why can't you give us a coop to build? Why can't you give us little structures to add? And it's like, it just wasn't the style we were going for. You wanted to keep it more streamlined. Yeah. I would play that game. I just wasn't looking to design that game. <laughs> Any questions, Jerry? I was just thinking. And or Enrique? Enrique's. He's, yeah, he's Enrique. Been, he's been eating in fingernails. Ask Don some questions, deep seated personal <laughs> questions. Hey, how you said it like that? Let's go deep-seated. ahead. Deep seated. Deep seated personal questions by Enrique. Oh, God. Think about it for a moment. Get ready, Don. Enrique's about to ask you questions that will I'm ready. burn into your soul. Hmm. Pause for, <laughs> pause for effect. Pondering. 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 The first question that comes to your mind is period. Yeah. Pondering. Pondering. Did you like see any question? LeVar any Bur- question did, you, did you see LeVar Burton is going to be hosting Jeopardy? Did he get it yeah. permanently? Yeah. I'm very happy for LeVar. I love reading Rainbow. Everybody does. What was one mechanic in the game? What was that? Did he? Oh, go ahead. LeVar Burton's going to be hosting Jeopardy now. Oh, he got it? Yes. That's awesome. Nice. That man is a saint. He's he's right up there with Fred Rogers to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jordy LaForge all the way, baby. Yeah. Okay. You, you all talk to, to Michael Langford about Australia culture a lot. Do you have any California questions for me? We know a lot about Uh-oh. California. Oh. What yeah, part of California are you in? I, I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area. Oh. Nice. Oh. I'm in the suburbs. I'm in a town called San Ramon. Is it as expensive as everyone says it is? Absolutely. <laughs> what's, what's, your, what's your feeling on Nash Bridges? Nash Bridges? Yes. I didn't watch that show religiously, but I really enjoyed it. Okay. I think uh, um, Don Johnson and... Um, Donald Johnson. Cheech Marin. Uh, I think they had great chemistry. They were so good together. They were good. They were certainly good. Are you a Niners or Raiders guy? I'm not a sports guy. Oh. Mm. All them sports around there. You're not a sports guy. I just didn't grow up with it. 
Interesting. My wife's family. He doesn't have a face tattoo, so obviously he's not a Raiders fan. <laughs> My wife's family, none of them. Okay, so I, I growing up. So how do you say that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I grew up. <laughs> I grew up. Uh, of course, you know, the South, uh, Texas, everything's mm-hmm. football here. So I, yep. I actually, I grew up as a 49ers fan simply due to the fact that my first Super Bowl I ever got invited to when I was 10, 11, 12, I don't know how it was. It was the 49ers versus the Broncos, that Super Bowl. Steve Young. No, it was Montana. Oh, it was Montana. Montana time. versus Elway, and they blew them out like 52 to something. But Steve 14. Young come along later. Steve Young come along later. So Herschel. the reason I'm a 49ers fan is because at that first Super Bowl, Literally the first football game I've ever watched in my life. They said, "All right, pick a team." I was like, "The Niners." That's my voice back then. <laughs> mm-hmm. Super high pitch. Now it's this. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I was a Niners fan from then on. Niners all the way, and I chose wisely because that Enrique is looking very. He's serious. What's he's trying to think of a why'd question? Why you take your earphones off? Because I can't. Because I'm hearing you. And are you trying to concentrate on a question? Yes. Enrique, Don. I thought he was about to kill me with that look. He's thinking. Don. He's thinking deeply. Don. He's just sitting over there, just like scowling into the table. His earphones are off. He's thinking of a personal question. So get ready. He's going to nervous. going to knock you, your socks off. He's going to get off here crying. <laughs> So I grew up a Niners fan my yeah. whole life. Niners. So I was into football after that. Niners. I randomly liked the Tennessee Volunteers in college football because my brother lived in Hughes, Arkansas, which was right next to West Memphis, which is right next to Memphis. It's weird. I don't know. Don't ask me. I pick random teams. Not even close to where I grew up or relate. Everybody's a Sooner fan around here for college or UT fan, Texas, or Cowboys fan. My wife and I moved to Dallas Texas in 1998, and if you move to Dallas, you're just inundated with cowboys. Inundated, inundated. That's when the nuns get a hold of you, and they date you. They date you. Ever dated? They're not supposed to. Ever dated a nun? It's on the DL. It's on the down low. Nun date DL. Nun date. That's a. That's like their Tinder. There's got to be an app for that. That's (laughs) their Tinder. It's called Mass. Well, they swiped left on me because nobody ever called me up. Mm, but you none are. for you. <laughs> none, none, none. <laughs> uh, so, Cowboys fan. Nobody cares. Why am I talking about this? I don't know because the Cowboys <laughs> suck. I don't, I don't know. know why you're talking about this. You just want to shut up. Oh, because I asked Don a question and I ended up doing all the time. <laughs> Don, are you a football fan? <laughs> Don, let me <laughs> give you my life story. Don, are you a football fan? No. <laughs> Tell you about everything I uh, know. Okay. Uh, have you experienced any earthquakes? Yes. Never a major one. Uh-huh. I, I was in, uh, so I grew up in Fresno, which is central California. So when like the Loma Prieta happened in 89 and the Bay Bridge yeah. collapsed a little bit. I remember that. Uh, we were pretty far away. Okay. Uh, it was, you know, 24 hours a day on the news, of course. But um, yeah, I, I've only felt little shakes. There was a a 4.2 just the other day um, that, you know, our house rattled for a split second and that was it. Is your house built to withstand an earthquake? I don't know. It was built in the 60s, I think, so probably not. <laughs> it's, got a, it's full of asbestos and nuclear weapons at that point. <laughs> It'd be all right. Waste. Tobacco. It's, it's, yeah, it's, um, 
nothing, the, uh, basements and that sort of thing are really rare here because of earthquakes. So we don't have anything like that. So it'd probably be <laughs> fine unless there's a major, major earthquake. How far are you from the beach? Um, These are all my California questions. Probably an hour to the nearest beach. Um, oh. A few hours to a good beach. Uh, a couple hours. Like Monterey is probably the, the best beach, you know, that close. Uh, Jerry, Beaches, I should say. In Matthew McConaughey, hey boy, say, you and me in the Bay of Monterey. No. Why is that? What is that? It was on Sahara. Oh, that was an awful show. That was not an awful show. Uh, well, it was not as good as it should have been. It was not. Sahara by Clive Custer, one of my favorite books. Uh, yeah, because it's, it's basically Fast and the Furious with Indiana Jones. Do you, do you like Clive Custer? He you ever read his books? No. I have not. He does not. They're like. adventure novels. So I can tell you all I need to know about Don already. Right. Don Don watches. Don's a golfer, Bama, right? Bama, right? A golfer? Yes. No. 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 I played golf in college. Ah. Um, I, I not, not like on a team or anything. I got my dad and me golf lessons for Father's Day one year. And we played golf, you know, really casually for a few years. And then I moved to the Bay Area and it went from... You know, in, in Fresno, it was like 20 bucks to play a full round of golf and come to the Bay Area, and it's like $100, and that's when I gave up golf. Yeah, it's expensive, the golf over there. Do you drink lots of California wines? Some. I'm not a big wine drinker. Wait a minute. Um, You've got so- chickens in your backyard in San Francisco. Just dawned on me. Don Gilstrap. Can you handle that? Can they? Is that legal? Is that against city code to have yeah, poultry? It's legal. No, they have specific rules. I think you can have up to six. Six chickens. How many goats? Yeah, I don't know about goats. Enrique, Enrique, what's Enrique, your big Enrique, question? Enrique fell all, fell over. No, <laughs> I didn't fell asleep. Fall over. Did you did you utilize all your my two brain cells? Yes, I did. Do you have a question? Yes. So the question is, and it's Regarding your board game, it is that to gain some information before I ask this this question, because these two these two never tell me about the people that we interview. This is your first game, uh, the first first game, correct? That you're about to publish. Sorry, I, I, I'm not understanding. Oh, we, did, neither it's do the we. Sound, it's, it's really? not his fault. Is, is he? Uh, is he says, ask, Is this my first game? Is this your first game design? He's going through. Yeah, he has to go through a translator. He's wanting some context. It, yeah, it will be our first published game design. Okay. Uh, I I designed I don't know three or four other games before this that never went anywhere. Okay. Uh, a couple of movie themed games. I love the movie industry, um, but they weren't good. Uh, and then uh, that game I mentioned called Expansion, which is is a uh, big bang theory themed. Okay. But, but the Off main the point show? of it is the Sheldon. No, no, no. The, the big bang, the actual big bang. Oh, uh, the universal expansion, the singularity. Yeah. Well, my, my, question- my idea was to have a board that expanded as you played the game. And so I thought, you know, start with the big bang and the board grows out from the middle and then you get to the end and then it all collapses back in on itself. And that's the best part of the design that I have. And the board has great table presence. It's just the rules in between. I haven't come up with the gameplay. Okay. (laughs) I've got the board. Haven't figured out the gameplay. It's got, it's got simple rules, um, but it feels a little too 
a little too simple. Okay. You know, you're, you're creating galaxies, you're moving them out, you gain points for how far you get them from the center, uh, and then you try to get them back to the center before the ring they're on collapses. Okay. Well, my question... Is that all the information you need for your next question? Well, no, that wasn't the question. That was, oh. That was the... That was, I know, I said context. That's a, that's a preamble. Yeah. All right, Enrique, we're ready for it. My yeah, question I, I is, think, is that yeah. if the your first game was to your first published game was to become a success would you have the inspiration to pu- to make more games or mm. will your previous games that you created and and have failed or you did not feel satisfied with would it give you still the motivation. Would you still have the motivation to make another game, and and have, and probably go another maybe two three years to make a second game and have it published? I think he's asking you what's your favorite color. <laughs> I, think <he> was a, <laughs> I think he's asking would you make another game. So, so I, I think I heard if if this one isn't successful. Would I make another game? No, if it was successful. If it is, um, sure. And if it wasn't, we're going to say it's going. You're on our podcast. It's going to be successful. Get ready (laughs) to blow it out of the water. (laughs) Tens of people will hear this podcast. This is the next core quest. (laughs) There you go. Uh, One can only dream. Um, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this started out as just something fun to do. Um, you know, like I said, Adrian and I like to, to hang out in the protospiel rooms. We like being around designers. We have a lot of designers who are friends. Um, and so this was kind of our way to participate in that environment. And it's, you know, it was an intellectual challenge. Um, my goal was always like, I'd like to get to the point where I've designed a game that I'm willing to pay game crafter to print one copy of. And, and so that, you know, that alone would have made me happy. And, um, then you know we we showed it to our friend the who's the publisher and he wanted to publish it and he had to ask a couple of times you know the first time i laughed it off and then he asked again you know a couple months later and 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 that kind of got us along this track but you know never really expect you know i'm i'm still at the the imposter state uh, imposter syndrome stage of of being a board game designer you know i don't feel like a real designer and and then i definitely know designers who Constantly have a dozen ideas. Dan designed a game. Anybody can design a game. <laughs> How hard could it be? And what would you consider? Um, when, so, when would you yeah. consider yourself as like a real designer? He is a real designer. The, when but, do I consider myself a real designer? Yeah, but I'm asking him, when would he consider himself? Oh, like a successful When would he designer? no longer yeah. feel the imposter syndrome? Well, yes. he's on the board game snob, so obviously he's made it. There so, you go. So this yeah. is July yeah, the second. Right Legit. It's right now. It's like now. In this moment. We have it va- in this moment. We have validated Don. <laughs> We've punched his card. He is now a true <laughs> entity in the board gaming realm. Yeah. I don't know that it ever goes away. Johnny Pack still talks about imposter syndrome. And, you know, he's had, um, I don't know how many games, you know, praised in the last few years. And, you know, he's done well and he's, you know, doing develop like full time development work on a bunch of games, bunch of big games. And so, you know, if he, if he still talks about having imposter syndrome, I don't know that I'll ever stop feeling that way, but, um, it's, uh, I don't know. It, by degrees, you get more comfortable saying, yeah, I'm a designer. 
and I've got the little badge in BGG, so maybe that's all that matters. That's all that counts. Do you have your Bubba top five? I do. All right. Oh, hey, I I forgot about that. Of course you. Oh, my phone's dead. I can't function. Oh, I can't function. Well, the number five. The podcast. The number five. Yeah, go down. You have the Bubba top five in your. I do. Okay, so the first one is the last game you played, I believe. Yes, Uh, Millennium Blades. Just played that last night. Is that a deck builder? What is uh, that? Yeah, sort of. You're it's it, it's a weird one. Oh, I'm choking. Yeah, I've always wanted to play Millennium Blades because you're playing a deck builder about playing a deck builder. Is that correct? Yeah, it's a it's supposed to simulate a, a collectible card game. Uh, so every card in the game is is actually a booster pack. It represents a booster pack, and you're you're doing some simultaneous market stuff, collecting cards from the market, trying to build up the best deck you can. And then you go into the actual competition and there's three rounds of that. And that is drastically oversimplifying it, but it was really interesting. I don't know that it's a game that I feel the need to have on my shelf, but a friend brought it over last night and we played it and it was a long game, um, but a really interesting optimization exercise, you know, and, and you're, you're kind of putting a plan together. You're putting eight cards together with the intention to play six of them. And so you've got six you're planning to play and two, you know, that you might use if somebody else messes up your, your program. Uh, and so it was good. It was a lot of fun, but yeah, that's the last game I played. The number four is one that we never get. And I was going to change this. And I, was, I mentioned ways to change it on uh, Michael Langford's, but I don't forgot what I said, but we'll go with describe a game by box art since we haven't changed it yet. All right. Okay, so this is... It starts off with pale... chickens. <laughs> <laughs> this is a pale yellow box with a blue stripe along the bottom. So that's about 50% of the board game so far. Uh, in the middle, there is a picture of a big ship, a cargo ship at a dock. And there's a young guy carrying a really heavy the box. There you go. Ha-ha! That's the first one I've ever guessed! I love that game. Mm. It takes a long time to play, but it's really it. satisfying. Now, my favorite question, what's your favorite movie? Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, oh no. To, to me, that is a near-perfect movie. I have a lot of favorite movies, but at some point, I just decided that's the one I'm going to go with when I get that question. What's your other favorite movie? I really love Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World. I love you. I have every single one of the books. Those books are great. And nobody understands the, not just the dryness of those books, but Mm -hmm. the bromance that is. The dryness, but yet it's at sea? Yes. It is a it is a story about a doctor who's also a spy and an aspiring sea captain. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> and it's a uh, it's it's yeah it's great I, I i i was it it shocked me to hear that russell crowe wanted that to be a series he wanted that to either be a trilogy of I movies think working on another mm. one. and he keeps he keeps harassing them he keeps wanting it to happen and that mm. would be an amazing series yeah 
I, I love what they did with the movie. I like that it ends like all the books end, you know, no real conclusion. They just go off to do the next thing. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, those books are great. They're very meditative. I, I think that's, yeah, the, the dryness is like, it, it, they're not fast. Y'all are selling me on the dryness. I don't want what's, what's, what's well, dry. It's, it's what's dry about it is that the story is basically Aubrey is this guy who desperately wants to be a captain. He wants to advance his career. Yep. And then you have this captain that he, he buddies up with, who's somewhat mysterious because he is a spy, but he, they, they, they play off each other. Cause Aubrey yeah. is like this strong willed, very strict disciplined individual who wants to go out and he's very bombastic and wants to do these things. But Mr. then bombastic Madeline is like this guy that tempers him yeah. and they go out and they have these adventures and they love each other. Oh my God, an adventure. But yeah. each book is like Aubrey is in horrible financial shape. Something's going on. He's distressed about his, his basically his job. He gripes about his job. He's not captain yet. Or when he is captain, he's if not he's on a boat. Why is he in financial distress? I just live on a boat. No, 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 no. You don't it's understand. Every time he gets on land, every, every time, time he gets uh, on land, he gets into financial trouble. So like he, he loses his money and stop the, going to those brothels. And Aubrey, the, the captain <laughs> comes up and I mean, the, the doctor is always, you know, encouraging him to do this. And then they get involved in some sort of situation. Like each book, it's like an episode. Hijinks ensue. No, it's like an episode star trek oh it's like there's something yeah. in each book right when you think that it's about over something amazing will happen and it just yeah. ends like each book is just a continuation of the next they and go it, to yeah. an island where somebody puts their hand on their face and sucks all the salt out of their bodies it's just yeah. an amazing series and it's 20 something books of yeah. just incredible adventures and it's it's about a bromance it's about these two guys who love each other Mm-hmm. And at the same time, they experience all this stuff. I don't know. I just love those like books. Like Dom and Brian. No. <laughs> the uh, the audiobooks are fantastic. Uh, there's an Irish narrator who does the, the audiobooks, and he does a different accent for every member of the crew. And just, I, I don't know, the, the way That's he impressive. does it's good. The, you know, the diary entries and all that stuff. It's diary. So good. They're real good. The, the Auburn yeah. Captain's Log. I have every single book. Sea date. Yeah. And I think I have, uh, I think I've listened to more of them than I've actually read. But just that that movie, when it came out, I watched it in, in the theaters and it just blew me away. And then I didn't realize at the time, of course, that it was a, it was a series yeah. of books. And then I read the first one and then that's it. You're just in love. And it, it is, it's, it's 20 books. Like, how can you read them yeah. all? I mean, how can you and- remember the adventures? It's just one after the other. Yeah, and the, the amazing thing about the movie is it's uh, like the title is Master and Commander: The Far Side of the World, which is the first book and like the eleventh book titles mashed together, and then there are like little snippets of dialogue throughout the movie that come from like different books throughout the series. It's just like I don't know how they adapted that so brilliantly, but it's so good. Okay, so Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, why is that your number one? Some of it's sentimental. Raiders value, of the Ark? You know, I forgot. Raiders of the Lost Ark, yeah. Raiders you said of the, it right. Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yeah. That sounds, uh, sounds bad. It's just a near-perfect movie. There's like a couple of weird cuts in that movie, and otherwise just the pacing of it is so great. Um, the, the directing's amazing. Harrison Ford is so good at it. Uh, in it. Um, uh, the, the script is great. It's not the years, honey. It's the mileage is just one of the best lines. Like <laughs> that's one of those lines that people should be saying every day and nobody does, but that's just, 
I know. I've, I've heard a, a friend of mine used to say, he didn't say it like that, but he'd say, it's not the, it's not the age is the miles. Yeah. So, okay. What about last crusade though? See, last crusade is my favorite of the trilogy. It's mm. more blockbuster than it is an actual like yeah. quality movie like that. Like those three films, that trilogy, because I don't acknowledge any other, any other Jones show exactly the arc of movie making. You've got the amazing original that was mm-hmm. the ingenuity of it. The horrific sequel that completely missed the tone. Call him yep. But still had some of the overtones of what they were trying for, but it was still just a bad sequel. Okay, and then, if you can jump out of an airplane on a rubber life raft, yeah. land on the uh, side of a mountain without any injuries. Yeah. I mean, uh, but as yeah. long as you got some slope, you're yeah. good. That's, that's probably the best part of the movie. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's, that, that, it proves the old idea that if a plane's about to crash, you just wait till about to hit the ground and you just jump and you'll jump be all out. right. The third one was go. a pure blockbuster. Like yep. it was not trying to be, it was not trying to be great. It was trying to be middle of the road at the same time, big enough that people will come to the theater and see it. The third one is the most entertaining for me. It's entertaining. Because but, but you got it, River Phoenix doing his thing. Loved River Phoenix. Yeah. Didn't know who he was until that movie. Sean hmm. Connery. Ah, oh, oh, I love Last Crusade. But it's just, but it's entertaining. But what Don is saying, there's there's a difference between something being entertaining and something being a quality movie. Well, yeah. I mean, you got Transformers. It's entertaining. I wouldn't say that. The first one? Uh, the first one's entertaining. Ah. Uh, you know what? I might give you that. You I go. think I'll give you that. It was, it was somewhat entertaining. A great film. It's just entertaining. I understand. The Tomorrow War. Watched it last night. It's entertaining. Yeah. It's not great. Speaking of games that you were talking about that were movie related, I have to ask this. Have you played the networks? Yes. Okay. Love that game. That is an I, ama- have the, I have the two-player game and haven't played it yet. Okay. I haven't played the two-player game. I don't have the expansion, but I got the original networks when it first came out, and that's Gil Hova who does it. Um, that is an amazing game that nobody talks about. It's been a game that's been like in my top 20 back and forth every time I forget about it because not only does it has a great solo, the artwork and kind of the engine building of it, it, it is one of those games that every time I play it, I go, I don't know why we don't play this more, and I forget about it. But I absolutely love the networks. I've hated everything else Gilhova has done. The The High Rise is awful. But mm. the networks is an amazing game, in my opinion. And I, I don't see it enough. It's one of those games. Much like you pointed out about uh, the Manhattan Project. Um, yeah. Yeah. Manhattan Project, the original, was one of my first hobby board games when it came out. Uh, that I, that got me back in the hobby. I love that game, and the energy I, em, the energy empire is one of the games that I regret selling. I think that was a great game. That was the yeah, second one. Yeah, it's an yeah, amazing. That's one game. of my favorites. I, I I still have yet to play the first one. The, the, they're not really connected, but um, there is an app for the first one that is really good, even on the P, hmm. uh, even on the AI of it. But the first one, the only thing I had against it is that it ran a little long. That was a great game. Absolutely like, great game, the Manhattan. Project. You like the first one or the second one better? Uh, I feel like I like the first one. Better. I liked the first one because it was mean. You could bomb people, and I liked some of the aspects of it. The second one was better. The second one is art. This is this is a good case of where the second one is obviously the better game. It's better designed. It's tighter. 
it, the mechanics work. There's a lot of stuff about the first one that's imperfect, but that whole aspect of being able to spy on other people and bomb them and all that was very neat. The third one I did not like at all. I don't know. They made a third one. They, I, well, you've played it. The card game? No. You've played the third one. M- minutes to Midnight. You have played it. I know because I backed it, brought it, Wait, played it. what's Energy Empire? Second one. You've played it. You don't remember anything, so I don't know why you're trying to act like you remember anything. Energy but yeah. Empire, Menace to Midnight, that's all, that's three different games? Yes, and you've played them all. And matter of fact, you've done <laughs> podcasts on them and had distinct opinions about them. I thought there was only two. No, there's three. And you've done podcasts on all three, <laughs> and you don't remember it. This is why your opinion's trash. All right, Don, what's your next question? How <laughs> dare you? Uh, board game you want to see made into a movie yeah i was trying to come up with a really clever answer to this backyard chickens (laughs) (laughs) backyard chickens (laughs) Uh, who do you have starring foghorn leghorn no i say boy (laughs) yeah i I feel like i feel like if you're going to turn a board game into a movie you got to go for the big michael bay blockbuster so i'm I'm torn between uh gkr heavy hitters Mm. Um, that, that would yeah. be a good big. Uh, it's Pacific Rim, right big old oh. box. Yeah, it'd be like Pacific Rim, um, or Cryo, the new Luke Laurie Tom I Jolly game. I want to play that. Yeah, uh, the, the whole story of that game, and you don't necessarily need to know the story to play the game, but the whole idea is like the somebody has sabotaged the the spaceship and it's crashed on a frozen planet in sections. And you're competing to get the most people into the underground caverns before the sun sets, because anybody who's still on the surface is going to freeze to death. Oh, that's like to me, Chronicles that's a good movie plot, <laughs> right? So, so yeah, I think one of those. It is. They're like running <laughs> to get- everything to you is some sort <laughs> of Vin Diesel show. That's Fast and Furious. That's Chronicles of Riddick. That's the pacifier. Yes. <laughs> I've, I've never anything. actually seen Chronicles Wait, of Riddick. Uh, uh, you haven't missed much unless no, you just love no, Vin no. Chronicles of Riddick. Both of those crappy shows were really good. I mean, that's what I'm saying. They're terrible, before, but they're good at the same time. I love his. Uh, so they're running. For, it's the same thing. The sun is setting, or what do you want to call it? And so the shadow of the darkness is coming, and like it's just like insta freezing everything along the way. So they're running, they're running to get away from the setting of the sun. And he lands on one spot, and he's got his uh, the the girl from spoiler alert. The girl from the first movie is in the second movie. I'm hmm. not going to tell you what happens, but anyway, so he gets to this one spot, and they like fall or something, and they're like, "We're not going to make it." He goes. Keep moving. Like I say that all the time. And, and I don't know why. I just say, keep moving. I wish I could do Vin Diesel's voice, but it's almost impossible because you have to like eat glass and swallow gravel. Vin Diesel. Before you can do Vin it. Diesel. All he ever says is keep moving. And this is family. Family's the most important. And I am Groot. <laughs> family. Anything's possible with Pitch family. Black is an amazing movie. Pitch Black is amazing. Like, it's almost as straight, good. It's almost as good as Pitch Perfect. Straight, straight, <laughs> streamlined horror. That. Love Pitch Black. Love it. All right, next. Your favorite thing. Period. You're doing right now. Well, not this moment. Podcasting, but something you enjoy. <laughs> uh, interesting. Um, so I, I'm gonna obviously, you know, sitting at home a lot the last year. Backyard chickens. <laughs> constantly looking for uh, for. TV shows to stream. The latest one that my wife and I have discovered is uh, 
Mythic Quest on Apple Plus. Oh, that's great. Mythic Quest. It's, it's so good. So we just Apple binged the first oh. season um, and uh, and started the second season. It's just great. I love how they handled the pandemic that, in the last couple episodes. That one pandemic episode, I, uh, Soul Train, Christian Solard of Superboard Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, we communicate. We're friends. <laughs> We're Facebook friends. Y'all aren't friends. We're Facebook he doesn't friends. love you. He does. He uses you. To prom- promote his podcast, <laughs> his crappy podcast called Super Bowl Sunday that oh. comes out every Sunday. Uh, he said uh, he got it further than I did, but he said the pandemic pandemic episode. And I, I hate in screen movies and TV shows mm-hmm. where it's just all on the computer screen. Yeah. I was like, no, I don't want to see it. But that is one of the best episodes of television. And it hit really close to home. Of course, everybody's went through the pandemic, can't see their friends. And man, it is, you get emotional. What is it about? Yeah. I have no idea. Mythic I, Quest period, I is about a guy that basically made a MMORPG style, like a, what's that, the biggest game of all yeah. time? Warcraft. Warcraft. Yeah. He made a World oh, of Warcraft I mean, type MMORPG. game. MMORPG. Thank you, uh, but it's their game called Mythic Quest. It's like that, mm. and it's it's a comedy, but it's a very well written. It's it's great. I have not gotten Apple TV, but I want to get that Apple Plus thing so that I can watch the uh, the Apollo Moon Landing show for the what's that mm. called? I, I want to watch that. Plus, I know what you're about, there's a bunch of shows that have come on that that's been Apple Plus, and I'm like, can I watch that? I have an Android. I need to stream that. There's one. And, and what's the soccer show? Um, the Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. I keep that hearing great things thing. about that, and I love that guy. Yeah. It's another just show to feel good. You, yeah, and another show you don't expect to make you emotional. Yeah. Like like Mythic Quest, I didn't expect to get emotional. But yeah, that, that uh, pandemic episode. That's good. You just got tears in your eyes by the end. Uh, one I'm enjoying now is on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And it's the post-production is done by our friend's brother, uh, Christopher and Valdi's brother. Really? In Iceland. Uh, it's called Katla. Katla? And I think it's uh, an actual, it is, it is an actual volcano and like an island village there. But in the TV show, it's all Icelandic. It's super moody, atmospheric, uh, like dark. It just kind of mm-hmm. has like that type. And, uh. This volcano is starting to act up, but then these people start coming out of the ashes. And it's like, hmm. where are they from? What happened? Why are they coming? And there's some people that are coming back. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You mean people are emerging from the ash? Somewhere. They're, they're coming. They're just showing up out yeah. of the volcano. Yeah. Like people that have been missing, etc. I'm not going to give too much away. Okay. What's it called? Katla. Okay, I'm going to watch that. that. That's like a whole genre these days. There was that movie that was a French TV show, kind of similar. Like, they made an a, American version that was mm. not even as good, but... There uh, was a... Yeah, there's like a... I don't know what country it's from. Sweden and or I think Norway. A Norwegian show called Beforeigners. And it's about, like, cave people suddenly showing up in modern times. Huh. And I, I watched a few episodes of it, and I didn't really get into it, but it was an interesting concept. Like, they just suddenly appear, and it starts, like, a few years after that started happening. And so they're, like, integrated into society, but they're from, you know, caveman times. And <laughs> Are they selling insurance? 
or their lawyers. Uh, uh, and that Ragnarok's similar. It's that well, it's not. Yeah. it's not the same type of idea. It's basically a retelling of the origins and, and of there, Thor. There's but. another show that was trending recently where it's like people a plane disappears and then suddenly it reappears five years later and lands. Uh, mm-hmm. The it starts with manifest. A manifest. Yeah, I yeah. started watching that. It's like originally on NBC. I got mad because they canceled it. Well, ah. I think Netflix is supposed to finish it. I don't know. That's what's ah. good. that's what I saw. So I get. I don't. I'm very. I let a show run until I, I'm I the watch same it. Way. I won't yeah. watch because something. I started watching that. It was a stupid show on Fox, but I liked the main dude because he did a retelling of something Mars as a '70s cop that gets transported back in time. But it was the one where Terra Nova, where he goes back. They go back to yeah. like the dinosaur days. Yeah, they did like a season. The most expensive show ever, <laughs> and they just canceled it. And they Bam. canceled it. Where they go back to Jurassic Park world yes. and have dinosaurs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the guy off of Avatar. And yeah, that yes. was rough. That was like that. I watched that first season and was devastated that they never picked it back. It cost like a forty million dollars an episode, though. It was like insanely expensive. But one of my favorite TV shows ever, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Great show about John's mom. Cersei Lannister played her. Yes. Canceled. Really? Yes. And uh, the girl that was uh, from Firefly was on it. The robot girl. Mm. Oh, right. She was the Terminator. Summer Glau. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. And just bam. Ended on a cliffhanger. All I know mm. is I don't watch much television because I do exactly what just happened with me and Incredible. And within one day, I've binge watched the entire season of Incredible. Invincible. Invincible. I'm sorry. I keep saying Incredible because it is an incredible show. I don't like anime, cartoon stuff. That's not something that gets oh, me. You, you finally watched But I watched Invincible <laughs> and that literally wrecked me. <laughs> I sat through that first seat, that first episode, going, "Oh, this is this going to be generic." But then and, it just slaps you in the face, and I, I, uh, yeah, I lost or my mind. Your face up to a sub- I lost my mind watching that show, and I'm like, I'll never do that again. Like I, I, nah, anyways, anyways. Well, Don, it was good having you on. Well, thanks for having me on. Uh, my, my joke was going to be that when you add a guy named Don to your podcast, it gets fifty percent better. <laughs> I don't get it. Do y'all, I don't get do y'all it. listen to the secret cabal? Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. That, that I love I, I love Don on that show. He's, Don, he's uh, that's the thing that guy. gets me is that the secret cabal, they all kind of suck until they added Don in. <laughs> I don't want to say that out loud. But it's like I, I, I I'm not saying that I don't like the Secret Cabal because I listened to them for a long time. I I truly appreciate it. They were one of the few board game podcasts that I listened to because they were long formed. Yeah. And everybody else was just kind of, and I like, I, I kind of like them. But then at some point in time, I stopped listening. But I've listened to a few episodes since then when Dom has come, come on, Don. And it, it's like, yeah. Where it, is Don from? He has a particular Southern style accent. Yeah. Kentucky or He's West Kentucky. Virginia or. They're, um, it's a they're, they're more accent. up the coast, aren't they? They're Pennsylvania. I know they're Pennsylvania, but is he Pennsylvania okay. too? He's no, so he may be. He may be more southern. He's from. He's and, he, and all southern sounds like Trevor Franklin. He's got his uh, cardboard cave. He's got a different accent than we do. Yeah. We're mm. Texan, Oklahoma. But they're sounding. southern. You could tell. Yeah, I, I I don't know where he's from exactly. Yeah, or my friend is playing games with him today. I'm really jealous. Really. Yeah, William Brown. He's the Hungry Gamer on YouTube. He's one of oh, the content I've seen creators. the Hungry Gamer. Yeah, the dude. That's I, I always, like his style. He's always eating the boxes on his 
I love the yeah. fact that, that that's that's a, a prime example of good thumbnails and clip art of him eating yeah. the boxes. That's great. There's a yeah. thing that irritates me on YouTube channels where it's like everybody's picture has to be on there and they have to look like they're doing like the the Ben Stiller blue lightning velvet whatever model look you know into the camera you have to have your face on there oh yeah whereas the hunger game steel yeah blue steel the hunger gamer guys is Tim eating the box and I like yep. that that's a thing like I see that and go that's that dude it's he's, automatically recognizable he's playing with Don yeah, he's traveling back east. He actually lives here in the Bay Area. William does, the Hungry Gamer. Um, so I've, I've met him at conventions, and we're buddies now. But um, he's traveling back east, like visiting family and stuff. And I think he's in the Pennsylvania area, or I think he's in Maryland. Oh. Anyway, he's meeting up with Don to play games at a cafe or something. That's so cool. He interviewed him on his, uh, his podcast a few months back. That was a great conversation. Well, but Yeah, I liked Don. So, uh, as a last wrap up, your backyard chickens comes out when on Kickstarter? August twenty fourth. August twenty fourth. Yeah, look for and you can you can you can go chickens. find it on BGG now or or look it up on Facebook and find a link to to get reminded about the campaign by my fame designer Donald Gilstrap and Adrian Gilstrap and Adrian Gilstrap. That's yes, yeah. My son and I designed it together and and. I, I have him listed as the lead designer because he really designed the core game, and I did all, all the development and adding cards and stuff around that. But mm-hmm. it really is his concept. Very nice. I, I did come up with the title first, but oh well, good. For what that's worth, yeah, that's, that's what that works. It was Uh-oh. the Facebook. Let's drop the the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was the backyard chickens. Uh, drop the the. <laughs> Uh, anything else you want to plug? No, no. That's, <laughs> that's a dangerous question. Don't be asking people that. Especially if you're lactose intolerant. Stop. Uh, Enrique? Yes, sir. Anything else you'd like to add? Not that I know of, sir. No, uh, I how would you rank this interview? Scale of 1 to 10. Uh, what, well, if we didn't take out Gobby's chicken jokes... Uh, it'd be zero. <laughs> yeah, it would be zero. If we didn't have Gobby's Thank you. chicken puns... Be zero. I'll give it a nice eight. That's a that's a high ranking interview rating. <laughs> a nice eight. You rank rank Don an eight. That's good. Well, Don, we've enjoyed it. We hope you have as well. Absolutely. All right. Well, I thanks. didn't get to tell my chicken man story. <sighs> and that's going to do it for this show. <laughs> You'd have to edit thanks it for out coming anyways. on, Don Gilstrap. Check out Backyard Chickens, August twenty fourth on Kickstarter. I'm Gobby. Yes, this is Jerry. That's Jerry. This is it. Thank you for listening to the Board Game Snobs. Stay classy. Hey, good morning. Gobby, Jezebel, what's happening? It's Joel here with another whole lot of dribble. Hmm. Sounds like I was channeling my inner Mike Delicio with that one. How's it going? How's it going, gentlemen? Walking the dog again. Um, we'll see how long this goes and what happens. As always, I might come across something profound to say. Or I might just, yeah, dribble for a bit and then send it to you. Um, how's it all going? How is how's life in the deep south? Is that the deep? Is it called the deep south? Is that like New Louisiana and stuff? Um, yeah, I don't know. Texas... Where's Jezebel from? I don't know. Anyway, 
Um, I'm in Newcastle. Maybe a little bit about me. Let's go. Because I know you care. Um, I live in Newcastle. Two hours north, two hours drive north of Sydney, which is pretty close when you think about how big Australia is. I mean, the US is big too, so you guys understand those driving distances, unlike the silly UK people who think a 20-minute drive is forever away. You can get anywhere from the UK, in the UK from anywhere else in two hours or so. Anyway, um, so yeah, Newcastle, we're a coal, coal town, so blue-collar worker. Blue collar workers, salt of the earth, mate. Salt of the earth. Um, but it's nice growing up here. I grew up in Newey, went lived overseas, travelled for a bit in my twenties. You know, my promiscuous self. Good times, oh, good times. And um, but now, in my late thirties, I'm back in Newcastle with a young family, three year old child, walking this dog every day fondly remembering my sojourns overseas. Oh, man. Good times. Anyway, um, but yeah, probably got deep into board games as a result of, you know, just not much else going on in life or or not much else that you can do when you're raising a young family. Um, Maybe that's why it's a middle-aged man's kind of hobby. What else are you going to do? Yeah, but... But I, I work, as I, I think I said before, work for the environment department and government. So I'm concerned about the environment and our impacts on it. So I um, constantly have to check myself as as a fairly new board gamer. You know, it's quite a quite a big, quite a large amount of consumption if you can continually going through games. And I can't help myself, but you know, compulsively buy at times. So it's, you know, a concern of mine, but I guess I just, just juggle it. But um, I enjoy my job. Um, and I've got a few few board game groups that I'm actually able to get to see. I've got three or four different sort of groups of people that I go and play games with most weeks. So in any one night of the week, I'll be playing games. So it's always... I'm very lucky in that way. I went to mate's place the other night we played some Cascadia and Calico so there's two tile lane games both pretty hot right now pretty hot um they were good I won so it made them even better I swear we I don't mentioned this before I swear our we like games more if we win or at least we're good at them says something for me with Barrage I swear I've already said this I'm now repeating myself already. Um, must be hard on a podcast not to repeat yourself from one episode to the next. Guess that's where editing might come in. Don't know. Um, all right. I think that's about it. Just a quick one from me. Perhaps you can, well, you can tell me first and foremost if you want me to actually stop um, sending these because. The Aussie accent wears off after a time, I'd imagine. And after you've spoken to Langers a bit, I mean, you know, you get, you're getting your feel of the Aussie accent, I'd imagine. So, look, if you want me to stop, I definitely wouldn't be offended. Just go, look, we've had enough of these voicemails. Kind of over it. Or, alternatively, 
Just give me something to talk about. Because I don't know. <laughs> you've got to hear my sniffling all the time. It's bloody cold over here. You guys going through a heat wave and stuff, aren't you? Like, I imagine it's always hot in Texas in summer. And I assume it's bloody freezing in winter. But, um, but it's fairly cool here. Um, not too bad. The whole planet's warming up, which is a concern. But, um, but yeah, anyway. So I apologise for all of my sniffling throughout. There's, a, there's dribbles and there's sniffles. Good stuff. Dribbling and sniffling, that's what we'll call it from now on, eh? Um, anyway, and too many arms. You mentioned that on the podcast with Dan, Mike. There's so many arms in the podcast that you listen to. You've got to edit them out. I'd have to do crap loads of editing. Editing. Editing? Editing. If, um, yeah, if I ever started. Still want to do this one with my mate. But he's always busy. You know about that, eh, Gubby? You know about that. When your mate's busy all the time. You just want to hang out. Do stuff. I'm always busy too. He's got two kids. So, both bloody... This time of life. I swear, is there a light at the end of the tunnel? I don't know. Gubby, you don't have kids, do you? You've got Sade, who's like an adult kid. <laughs> Adult-sized kid. Um, who's moving out soon, too, so you'll be an empty nester. But then you haven't gone through the hard yards, as Jezebel has, with, like, kids that are, you know, three, you know, got three-year-olds. Bloody hell. Talk about three-nager. Ah, she's all right. I won't throw her to the dogs just yet. Yeah, you want to kill her and then she smiles at you and you think, oh yeah, you're all right. Okay, mate, sorry. More of this crap. Um, but I'm going to send it to you anyway. Ha ha ha, sucker. Righto. Have a lovely day slash evening. I've already done that too. Um, just got into the dog park. Ooh, there's another dog coming. Could be fisties. Could be feasties. Nah. My dog's pretty friendly. She just wants to sniff other dogs' butts. It's part of the rules. G'day, how are ya? Good. Hello? <laughs> Gotta check each other out, eh? It's part of the rules. <laughs> there you go, Gabby. Honestly. That's an Aussie life, mate. You've, you've seen the inner workings of an Australian's life as he walks the dog. And one dog sniffs the other dog, and then you sort of make tokenistic conversation with the other dog owner. I remember before Bonnie, uh, Bonnie, <laughs> I always mix up my dog's name and my child's name too. I call Lillian Bonnie and Bonnie Lillian all the time. I don't know if that's senility or if it's just, just happens. But anyway, before Lillian was born, we'd take Bonnie to the dog park, you know, look after her like we do. Like she was a child. And then the minute the child comes along, like the missus is like, oh, we're always going to love, love Bonnie. I'll never give up on Bonnie. She's my favorite. You know, like, I love her. I love her. When Lillian turns up, Bonnie will still be, you know, loved just as much. What a lot of crap. <laughs> Pete, that's my partner's name, Peter. She like, <sighs> I, she never walks her now. I've got to do it all. I don't mind it. But like, yeah, that love is just, just completely deflected off onto Lillian. But anyway, we used to treat her like a, um, a child or, or just pamper her anyway. 
um, and take her to the dog park. And you'd stand there and you'd know everybody else, all the other people's dogs' names, but you just wouldn't you wouldn't know who the the actual owners' names are. So you stand there and you talk about their dogs and refer to them by name, and then you just you know. And months would go by and you still don't know the other person's name. Or maybe you were told it once and you've forgotten it, which I always do. So then you're like, well, I can't bloody ask you again. I've known you for six months. Um, And then it becomes awkward. Anyway, again, the inner workings of um, an Australian's life. But I guess the old dog, dog owners. Do you have a dog, Carby? I'm going to just keep talking like Jezebel doesn't listen because I swear I swear he doesn't. And if he did, I reckon he'd get, he, he would have turned it off by now. So, Gabby, if you're, still, if you're silly enough to be still listening, do you have a dog? Do you have pets? Have you ever had pets? I grew up with pets. I grew up with cats. But I don't have a cat now. Here in Australia, they're, they're a nightmare ecologically because we didn't, you know, a lot of our animals didn't evolve with, well, they didn't evolve with cats. So they've just like smashed all the native wildlife and they kill, you know, hundreds of thousands every night or some crazy stat like that. Um, so I don't have any cats these days. I do have a dog. Not that dogs do much better. If you live anywhere with koalas, dogs are one of the worst things. Dogs and, and vehicle and car strikes. I mean, you knock down all the bush, cut all their trees down and they've got nowhere to live, but the other impacts are dogs and cars. Anyway, bit of info for you. Um, but no, interesting to see if you've got if you've had any pets or you got any. I'm still talking to you, aren't I? Um, yeah, all right. I'll leave you alone now. Thanks, mate. Um, again, I'm just going to assume it's you, Gubby. Just one on one, me and you, mate. Eleven minutes. Oh crud. Sorry, dude. Um, righto. Enjoy this, man. Hopefully. I'll um yeah. A little bit of feedback if you um if you want to give it. Otherwise I'll just keep sending them. Right. Ciao mate, have a good day. Bye bye.